Most people think that flow states work like a light switch, where you're either in the zone or you're not. But in reality, flow is cyclical. It's one stage in a four-stage cycle. And if you don't understand this cycle, each of its stages and how to move through them, then flow states and the deep, profound performance they bring will remain elusive to you. Hey there, Rian Doris here, co-founder of the Flow Research Collective, along with New York Times bestselling author Stephen Kotler, and welcome to Flow State Unlocked, where we decode the neuroscience of flow states so that you can use these states of profound peak performance to sharpen your focus, triple your productivity, and reach your goals in record time. Now, the flow cycle is your ticket to accessing flow state consistently. I'm going to share and teach each step of the flow cycle with you and how to avoid the biggest mistake that blocks people from accessing flow every day. The first step of the flow cycle began with the son of a Russian immigrant. Back in 1935, Dr. Herbert Benson, a Harvard-trained physician, and he started with studying the physiological effects of meditation. At the time, meditation was considered a mystical practice, falling far outside the scope of Western medicine. But through his research, he discovered that when the subjects meditated, blood pressure, heart rate, and metabolic rate all dropped. Now, you're likely well aware of the stress response. This includes increased blood pressure, heart rate, and metabolic rate. Well, Benson observed that meditators experience the exact opposite effects. So instead of a stress response, he called this physiological state the body's relaxation response. And upon further research, Benson discovered that no meditation is actually needed to unlock the relaxation response. There's all kinds of triggers for this response, like deep breathing, prayer, even showering. During these lightly stimulating activities, the prefrontal cortex, the forebrain, quietens down a little bit. And the brain makes unique connections among disparate pieces of information which lead to aha insights like eureka moments. Now, meanwhile, my partner at Flow Research Collective, Stephen Kotler, was studying extreme athletes who were achieving seemingly impossible feats in record time, time after time after time again in the surfing world, the 30-foot wave used to be the gold standard. Then in 2002, Laird Hamilton rode a 70-footer at Jaws, and a decade later, 80-foot waves became the new norm. It took years before pro skateboarder Tony Hawk pulled off the first 900-degree aerial spin, something few people thought was ever going to be possible. And then three months later, Tom Shar took it further with a 1080. And he was 12 years old. And Stephen identified the key pattern to each physical feat. Every athlete they were pulling off these crazy elevations of what was possible, claimed to be experiencing a mental state called flow, characterized by razor-sharp focus and performance. And Stephen collated all this research into the book, The Rise of Superman, and along with Jamie Wheel, filled in the missing pieces and mapped the flow cycle that Herb Benson's research was pointing at. Struggle, release, flow, and recovery what was previously attributed to magic or chance can now be attributed to method, to the flow cycle. Humans have unknowingly used the flow cycle for millennia to access peak states of consciousness and performance. To be able to harness the flow cycle for your own work, here's how you can use it intentionally to drive yourself into the zone every day with consistency. So the first thing is struggle. This is the first phase of the flow cycle. It feels like pushing a boulder up a hill. It involves hard work, pushing your cognitive and physical limits, grappling with a problem or a task. This stage is characterized by a high level of stress, the release of norepinephrine and cortisol, 
And these stressed neurochemicals make us squirm. The itch to stop working and to do something else for a squirt of feel-good dopamine that soothes our system and heightens pleasure is at an all-time high. As Stephen Kotler put it, in struggle, our problems seem unsolvable, our efforts unsustainable, and the whole situation feels as far from flow as one could get. But here's the key. If you interrupt the struggle phase, you reset the cycle to the beginning. That means you once again must struggle to acclimate to the task at hand. And this time, since it will take up to 23 minutes to regain focus based on the research, it requires even more willpower to get back into the struggle. The sad thing is many people spend their entire careers dipping in and out of the struggle phase, never getting to experience flow. It's like surfing, but never catching the perfect wave. You paddle out, struggling against the ocean, but the wave always breaks before you can ride it. You have less and less energy for each subsequent chase. You're left craving the thrill of the ride, but never experiencing it and just stuck in the grind. But if you persist through the struggle, you'll be amply rewarded with flow. Indeed, it's counterintuitive, but the feeling of struggle is a sure sign that you're on track for flow. The more you can link struggle to the reward of flow, the easier the struggle becomes. You might even start to crave the struggle. When you see a hill, sprint. That's the motto. And number two in the cycle is release. This phase occurs when you step back from the problem or task, providing a period of relaxation that allows the subconscious mind to take over from any conscious effort you are exerting during struggle. It's like getting the boulder to the top of the hill. You can finally take a breath and see the full view. It's in this stage that the brainwave patterns shift from beta wave frequency associated with normal waking consciousness to the alpha wave frequency associated with relaxation and daydream. To trigger Benson's relaxation response and release into flow, take a boring break. Spend five to 10 minutes doing nothing but paying attention to your surroundings or doing something simple like drinking a cup of tea or staring at a wall. Now the third phase is flow, the main event, the flow state itself. This is when the boulder you've been pushing up the hill starts rolling down the other side of the hill on its own, accelerating rapidly with compounding speed. During this phase, the brain produces a high theta wave pattern, generally associated with increased creativity and insight. There's also a release of a cocktail of neurochemicals, including dopamine, serotonin, anandamide, often associated with the runner's high, and endorphins. These chemicals further amplify focus and endurance and heighten pattern recognition, the basis of creativity. Now, the last stage of the flow cycle, the fourth one is recovery. After the exertion of the flow state, the body and the mind need time to recuperate. Neurochemically, the body replenishes the neurotransmitters expended in flow state. You also clear the allostatic load, which is the cumulative wear and tear on the body and the brain that comes from stress and exertion. Recovery is the phase when the boulder has reached the bottom of the hill, the victory. The memory consolidation that occurs after flow can't happen unless you dislodge attention and ensure that recovery is active rather than passive. There's a difference between relaxation, what feels relaxing at a subjective level, and recovery, what objectively recuperates your physiology and brain. That means Netflix won't do. Instead, treat recovery as seriously as work. Active recovery means ice baths, sauna, and sleep. These all reduce allostatic load, which returns you to baseline faster and boosts resilience. And when you do this, you feel a sense of satisfying fatigue, what we call the flow afterglow, which is this deeply satisfying, emptied out feeling of accomplishment that only comes 
after riding the wave of flow and the neurochemistry that it brings for an extended period of time. With the flow afterglow, the body shifts to a parasympathetic state. Your emotions steer toward this state of calm, equanimity, and contentment, and you're able to relax into deep sleep that night, clearing the metabolic waste from the brain through the glymphatic system. As you learn to recognize and relish the flow afterglow, it becomes a self-reinforcing cycle. The more you experience it, the more you want it. The more you push yourself to reach new levels of productivity to attain it. So think of the flow cycle like this. Struggle is paddling hard against the waves to get to the right spot to ride that perfect wave in. Release is waiting for that perfect wave. Flow is riding the wave with precision, grace, and deep absorption, and recovery is the chilling on the beach afterward. That well-earned relaxation where you lie out in the shavasana position, as they call it in yoga, reflecting on the beauty of the ride. And if you know where you are in the flow cycle, you know where you need to go next in order to get into flow again and again and again. However, there is a catch. In working with thousands of professionals, we've discovered there's a challenge that happens right before the struggle phase, before the cycle has even begun. And that is starting to struggle in the first place. One of two things happens in the gap between inaction and struggle, and that is avoidance or engagement. You know how this goes. You're doing task A, scrolling your phone, and you know you need to start task B. Maybe it's creating a slide deck at work. Transitioning from task A to B either happens or it doesn't. If it does, you engage the flow cycle, like spinning a wheel. The process of struggle begins and you're on your path through release into flow and hopefully recovery afterwards. But if it doesn't, it's avoidance and you'll never get into flow in the first place. So engaging in the first place in the struggle is the hardest part of the flow cycle to master. But once mastered, it makes moving through the rest of the cycle repeatedly easier. From here, you can struggle gracefully, persisting through the discomfort, knowing that if you sustain the persistence, flow will be on the other side of release. And then releasing rapidly by dislodging your attention, allowing subconscious information processing and effortless effort to take over. And then you want to flow deeply by blocking distractions, maintaining impulse control and ensuring not to squander the deep state of flow you're in through self-distracting. And then you want to recover aggressively by clearing allostatic load from your system. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Flow State Unlocked. If you want to catch this episode with all the visuals and lots of fancy, beautiful animations that we put together so you can more deeply understand these concepts, then head over to our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com forward slash Rian Doris and I'll see you there. Yeah.